You're listening to the best of the Visualize You show. To celebrate my first year of podcasting, I'm counting down the top 30 episodes to celebrate all of my amazing guests and just how much fun I've had over the last 12 months. At number six, my first ever podcast interview with guest expert Ananda Diego, Poems of Recovery. Please note that this episode does have reference to eating disorders. Welcome to the Visualize You podcast. I'm your host, Beth Hewitt. I'm a spiritual performance coach helping you go from unfulfilled to passionately living your purpose. You'll learn how to create a crystal clear vision for your life so that you can change direction with confidence and have a career or start a business that is more in alignment with your true soul's calling. Each week on the show, I'll talk about topics such as the art of visualization, scripting, manifesting, and the law of attraction. And I'll bring you interviews with inspirational people who have taken that path already, so you can learn the practical skills that will help you do the same. Welcome to episode two of the Visualize You show. I never imagined when I started out on this podcast journey that my very first episode my very first guest interview episode would be of such an inspiring, deep, emotional, vulnerable and healing story. In this episode, you're going to hear from Ananda Diego, a 26-year-old ex-model. And you'll hear of her spiritual healing journey to face her inner demons, recover from an eating disorder, which ultimately led her to starting her very first business. Part of Ananda's recovery involved her sharing poems of others on her Instagram account. In noticing that other people connected with her through these poems, she embarked on writing her own poetry, which resulted in her publishing her first book, Poems of Recovery. Ananda openly shares her thoughts and feelings around her relationship with food, herself and her family. There are so many great moments in this episode. You'll be struck by her honesty and ability to be vulnerable in the hope that she can help and inspire others. But there are also some really thinking outside of the box moments in terms of how she approaches marketing, especially when your target market is incredibly hard to reach and find, as well as how she manages her side hustle whilst working full time and learning to live in the moment and just enjoy her journey. Expect to be astonished by Ananda's resilience and outlook on life and how an entrepreneurial journey can be born out of any challenge how we should be thankful even in our darkest experiences and that everything really does happen for a reason. I really hope you enjoy this one. I'm joined today by Ananda and she's going to talk to us today about her poems, her book Poems of Recovery. I've done a little bit of an introduction already for you but could you start by just telling us a little bit about your journey, where you were previously to where you are today? Yeah so my name is Ananda and I've written a book about recovery recovery from an eating disorder and amenorrhea and amenorrhea is basically the absence of your period so that happened to me three years ago and I've always had like issues with eating like really wanting to control what I eat but not only that really using food as a mechanism to deal with my emotions like not to feel them but rather if something bad happened I would eat less or work out more but really when I didn't get my period I was like okay after three months, six months, nine months, at one point you're like, okay, this is getting pretty serious. Maybe 
I should change something. Maybe I am not feeding my body properly. Maybe I am indeed over-exercising, putting a lot of stress on my body. Um, and I didn't want to make the choice at 24 whether I would have kids or not. I was like, okay, not having a period is actually quite serious if your body shuts that down, so to say. Because in the beginning, I was like, oh, you know, it will come back. It's just temporary. But you really start to wonder <laughs> after a while, like, okay, maybe it's a, a bit more than I thought. And I shared a lot of poems back then from other people on my Instagram and quotes. I mean, if you're on Instagram, you probably see a lot of quotes. And then I thought, why not write myself? So I had a diary, but I felt like sometimes it was so long to write. So I just wanted like quick poems that really expressed how I felt. And when I opened up more and started talking more about the issues that I had uh, with friends, like being vulnerable, I noticed that other people also felt safe to be vulnerable. So then I thought, okay, maybe if I publish what I wrote, uh, it could help other people. Like I always said, even if it helps just one person, then that's already enough. So it was published about a month ago, a bit more than a month ago. And yeah, the replies have been super nice. Yeah, of course, it's very heavy. It's also part of my healing process, I feel like really coming out with the book and the story and talking about it. And also people asking like, oh, if, if I'm still in it, what do I do? So I also feel like it's part of my journey to really speak about it and be vulnerable. There's something about that vulnerability, isn't there? Like you said, like when you share your story with other people, it allows other people to come forward and share their stories. So it's it's a really powerful and brave thing that you're doing. How are you finding that? Are you able to fully step into that vulnerability or has that been a journey in itself? It's been a journey in itself because I have a full-time job next to it. So when I just launched a book and it was in the local newspaper and stuff, it was really overwhelming also because when you have an eating disorder, the last thing you want to hear is you have an eating disorder or you're anorexic, bulimic, whatever you want to call it. And then when it suddenly headlined in the newspaper, I was like, okay, this is like, there's no going back now. And it was really tough to find kind of that balance between vulnerability, but also strength to do my normal job and everything but it's going better now and I think part of the process when you recover or when you have an issue whether that's an eating disorder or something else it's also to allow yourself to lean on other people like saying like okay today I'm, I'm having a tough day so can can we please have a chat or can you just give me a hug yeah that's really powerful better. so how old were you around that it was about 15 that you yeah, yeah. stepped into modeling. I don't think we should blame industries because obviously the problems are problems, aren't they? But I think it's interesting to hear if there's other young girls who are maybe thinking about the industry. I think for me, I used it more as an excuse. So uh, I'm a model, I need to be thin anyway. Like if I hadn't modeled, I, I probably would have gotten it too because I don't think an eating disorder can be blamed by an industry. I think it's more for me, I use it kind of as a cover-up, like, oh, but I'm a model, I'm supposed to be skinny. Because I know so many girls in the industry that are just naturally thin, naturally healthy. But then, of course, you also have girls who don't get the right support from their agency. And then it's when it get, gets tricky when people tell you, oh, you should lose weight. And if you're already young and insecure, maybe you're more prone to it. But I, for me personally, I wouldn't blame it on the industry. But I do think there's a lot of pressure on young girls or us women we put a lot and also men but I, I'm not a man so I don't have the experience yeah. uh, with that but as women we put so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect or to have a flat stomach or to look a certain way when in reality 
what does it matter in the end? Like, I'm not going to love my friends any less if they gain five kilos. Like, why would I love right. myself any less? So where on the journey, at what point did the writing and the poems come into your part of your recovery? I know you've talked about you started to share your quotes on Instagram and it started to help and you opened up and you've been vulnerable. But at what point did you think, actually, this could be more than just sharing my feelings? Last year in summer, I started to write poetry. So I'd just done a retreat in Nepal and I know one of my friends had published a book and I always wanted to publish a book as a kid. It, it just seems like a cool thing, right? But I always felt like writing a whole story was a little bit too much. So then I thought, okay, I like poetry. Why shouldn't I try writing it myself? Like really my feelings. And it helped me in the process that if I felt stressed or if I felt like I was having a anxiety, then I would just start writing because then you really stay with the emotion. And then reading it back, it also helped me say like, oh, I'm not at that point anymore. I, I further from that, like I wouldn't want to go back there. So I think it was really also for me discovering what works for you. So if you have a panic attack, maybe it helps you if you paint or write or dance or whichever, like really trying to find more that balance because I'm often more my masculine energy, like doing things always on the move. But then when you write, you actually have to sit down, feel your emotions. But what I hadn't realized with the book is it's actually a business. It is, yeah. You want it from, well, I don't really mind how much it gets sold because I just want to help people and I believe it will, it will reach the right people. But it is a business, like with your taxes, with your promotions, <laughs> yeah. you really, like you have to put your heart in it. Because I also started noticing when I approach people or write emails, if I don't put my heart in it or if I let someone else do it, then it doesn't work. So I think the more entrepreneurial part is if you are fully behind your product and you put your heart in it, the right people will find you and you will attract the right people that I really believe in. That's so true. Whenever I've written sales copy or an email that has been more personal, you get the replies in the emails. If it was just for the intention of selling a book yeah. or a course, then it never works in the same way. So do you want to share one of the poems that you've got? That would be really cool to listen to one of your poems, yeah. if that's okay to share. Yeah, I'm going to read one. It's still so strange if I read it myself or <laughs> sometimes people have the book and they stand next to me and they start reading it out loud. And I'm like, hello, that's my, <laughs> my deepest feelings. Please don't read them next to me. So I'm going to go. Recover. To be able to have ice cream with your daughter, lunch with your father, burgers with your brother, breakfast with your mother. And if you have a son, you can tell him that you won. The why. Wow, that's so powerful. I think when I read this one, it's the simplicity of the words in the fact that eating is something that we have to do as human beings every single day. It's part of our life. There's no getting away from it. But it's also the relationships that we have with other people in our lives and actually how eating disorders doesn't just impact the person, it impacts a whole host of other people as well. Especially with the first line being to be able to have ice cream with your daughter and having a daughter who loves ice cream. It just really hit, hit me straight away that actually this is more important than just being able to eat. It's, it's in the right way, in the healthy way. It's, it's about the relationships that we have every day. What was going through your mind when you wrote this? Was it around future pacing and having your own children in the future? I know you mentioned the problem that eating disorders has on our body biologically as a woman to be able to have children in the future. Did that feature as part of 
this poem? Yeah, because I think, for example, let's say if your parents or your grandparents had problems with eating, I think you're more likely to have it. So let's say I would ever have kids and they see me eating an apple for lunch or struggling with food. Kids don't usually do what you say, but they see what you do and then they do the same. So in that sense, I was like, if I ever want to have kids, like the last thing I want to give them is an eating disorder. So if I can't recover for myself today, then I will do it for potentially my future kids or I will do it for my parents or for my brother because like I noticed the last months, it's the first time in years that I can have dinner with my parents and eat the same thing as they do. And I'd never realized what big of an impact that had. I would always cook something else or eat something else. And then, for example, two days ago, my mom was like, let's eat risotto. And I was like, yeah, why not actually? Whereas before I would have said, I'll make something else. So it's like really the small things. And also allowing yourself to enjoy that because I really believe eating disorders are not about the food. There's often a lot more behind. It's not as simple as just saying, oh, just eat more. It's more like the control, the, and with eating for me also came my feelings. It all comes back because not eating suppresses your emotions as well. Yeah. I think it's so beautiful that, isn't it? And then just to be able to sit down with your family and eat as a family unit, especially in these times when we've we've been forced to spend more time (laughs) with people within our own households, but then that longing to actually be with our extended family and being able to eat again in in a joyous occasion. It must be difficult for people who have eating disorders, who are going through those struggles. Um, And you put it so beautifully in this poem. So thank you for sharing that with our listeners. So at what point did the publishing come along then in terms of, right, you've written all of these poems for any of my listeners who are thinking about being an author? One of my friends had already written two books and she published them at uh, Book Scout in the Netherlands, which is a printing on demand company. I think in every country you have a lot of publishers. I think you also have Amazon printing on demand. But I think I'd written 132 poems and it just felt finished. Yeah, in my mind, I wanted to do more, but then in the end, at one point, it's finished, right? And it was end of 2019. So for me, it was really, okay, I'm closing the year now. I'm going to send the manuscript. So the manuscript is basically all of your poems with the pages. And then they checked it. It got validated in March of this year. So three months later. And then, of course, COVID happened. So during the lockdown, I finalized it. So not a long process, really. The no, pandemic a year. A year. <laughs> Hi, listener. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I thought we'd just pause a moment to let you know that there is so much waiting for you at my website, bethhewitt.com, where you can access free downloads, access the Visualize You free Facebook community, where I go live every single week. Plus, you can learn about the power of scripting, access the visualization vault and find out more about my membership visualize and thrive so go check it out and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast head to bethhewitt.com and i can't wait to connect with you real soon now let's get on with the show so for anybody who's maybe thinking about buying your book how is it structured is it it chronological or is it set into themes how can you just give us a bit of a feel for the book yeah, itself. of course. So for me, it does have a structure. So I started writing around August. And I think as of September 2019, I had my regular period again. 
So there's three parts, which is healing, feeling, and living, but they're not all equally long. So the healing right. part was really where I was like, okay, I know there's a problem. I know I have to do something, but I didn't change anything about my food at that point. It was really just writing down my emotions. because so I was kind of hoping I could recover without <laughs> changing my food habits, but unfortunately that's not the case. And I, I'm really happy that I eat differently now. So that was really also bringing up things from the past and still you see, I think the struggle between I want to stay as skinny as I am and I want to recover. And also a part like, okay, what did I do to my body? Will I get my period back or did I really ruin it forever? And then you have the feeling part and there, I think it's at the end there that I hire a food coach and also that you can also see a bit like when I start falling in love and it's like you see it like a, a, a more trend. Yeah. And at the end, it also gets a bit lighter. I heard people say like in the beginning, it can sometimes be a bit deep and tough. Yeah. But at the end, you also see like the strength in the journey and like, OK, I'm going to get there. Thank you for sharing that. It just gives a better understanding when you segment it in that way. And I love how it becomes lighter as you transition through yeah. that period. Because I can also understand it can be very confronting, right? Because the poems are quite short and direct. So for people who actually dealt with an eating disorder, like one of my friends, she was like, okay, I, I, I read one and then I have to put it down. What would you say one of the li biggest life lessons you've had as a part of this journey? I would imagine there's so many, but is there anything that you would pick out that kind of stands out for you? Ooh, that's, that's a tough one. <laughs> I haven't had this question before. <laughs> the biggest life lesson, like, first of all, I'm super thankful that I got amenorrhea because otherwise I wouldn't sit here and I wouldn't have published a book but I think the biggest life lesson is even though you have to recover on your own and you have to do it you don't have to do it alone and I, I always wanted to do everything alone and prove people that I don't need anyone else but in the end what's wrong with needing people like I think the biggest life lesson is really to open up be vulnerable and also trust myself that I'm doing the right thing and trust the people on my path. Like if people want to be in my life, they will be there. Even if I tell them things that are heavy. So true. Yeah. I think as entrepreneurs, one of the biggest lesson starting out is actually we should lean on other people we have this tendency as human beings to want to do everything ourselves and our way but actually there's people who can sometimes do the things that we want to do better and there's people who can come into our lives at exactly the right moment in time and I love what you say about actually you're glad that you had amenorrhea because you can see the beauty in all the directions and the and the, the branches right. that come off that time okay I can hear that you're very spiritual I, f I feel and that you are into kind of the law of attraction and manifesting and things like that has that been part of your journey as well yeah so of course how most people start with the law of attraction it's a secret right and telling yourself affirmation so in the beginning I thought you know if I tell myself I'm gonna get my period I'm gonna get it <laughs> unfortunately it's not as straightforward as that because you can still you have to believe it and if you tell yourself affirmations, they're going to work. But I feel like just telling yourself affirmations, it's not enough. You also have to feel it. Yeah. And to work on it. If you say I am healthy, but you still eat pizza and Burger King every day, 
which if, if you feel great, that's fine. But then at one point, you're also kind of tricking yourself, right? So I was like, okay, I know that my eating disorder, it's, it's not about the food. So I can eat more. I can go to the doctor who will tell me, go on the pill, and then you have a fake period. Then I still have the same problems. So I thought, okay, there must be something that happened that makes me this way. And it's not to blame on anyone but me, of course, but I do think we're here to learn specific things. And that even if you have the perfect childhood, there are still things that can impact you in a way that affect your adult life. So a lot of inner child work I did as well, because as a kid, I was also very shut down and like wanted to be on my own. So I think really trying to look at my patterns and my triggers is what really helped me. And then when you work on those, attracting the things you want also get easier. So one of the things that I, I like to ask on the podcast is around our superpowers. So I know that sounds a bit lighthearted and, and maybe too fun for this subject matter, but I think we, we all, we amass skills and experience, don't we, over the course of our, our career. And I think it's really important that people can acknowledge their strengths. So is there something that somebody would say that you have a, a particular superpower for or that you are willing to blow your own trumpet today around what that might be? Yeah, people always say, if I go for something, I go 100%. Yeah. And I also wrote that in the introduction of my book. But giving 100% can mean two things, right? It can mean that you give 100% when publishing something, or you give 100% working yourself into an eating disorder. <laughs> so right. Yeah. It's also about balance. Uh, so I think by really putting my heart into things I do, and also right now, being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I think that is slowly becoming a strength, but I think everybody has their own superpower in that sense. So yeah. that I really believe in. So I really like the question. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. I suppose entrepreneurs, we all have a platform that we use to get our messages out there. Obviously you have your book right now, but what's working for you in terms of getting these messages out? So I really try to think outside of the box when approaching marketing. So I, my book is in English, right? So I thought, okay, what is my niche? And then I thought, okay, I want to help people with an eating disorder or mental health problem. So then I thought, okay, the most logical thing to do, I'm not going to find those people randomly. And those people are probably, if I give a book presentation somewhere, not going to come. Because if I have an eating disorder, the last thing I want to do is, depending on what stage I'm in, is I don't want people to know. So I'm probably not going to go to a book signing. Then I thought, okay, What's the easiest way to reach them? And that is actually through platforms or associations that deal with mental health, eating problems. So what I did was I emailed every anorexia, bulimia, eating disorder association in the Netherlands and Belgium. So with some of them, I'm organizing workshops or uh, we're having nights where people like parents can come and then I can talk about my experience. And then I thought, it's in English. Why stop in the Netherlands? So <laughs> I went all out and went, emailed in the US, Ireland, UK, Malta, Spain, you name it, anywhere where I could find an English website regarding eating disorders, yeah. mental health. That's where I send it to. Because you can start small. Even magazines, just call them, local newspapers. I feel like local newspapers are a bit easier to reach because if you have a story and you share it with your local newspaper, often it's already special. Yeah. So it's easier to get publicity and then it can grow afterwards. 
And of course, being on a lot of podcasts, speaking, then you keep it alive as well. Because with every podcast, you reach new people or there's a new subject. But it does cost a lot of work. <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot um, of work. Have you got any help? No, I'm doing it alone. You're doing it alone. <laughs> but also because it's so personal I feel like yeah. if I would do it with someone I'm not sure if it would work the way it does because of course if you have more business where you sell a product then it makes sense to hire someone for example for the marketing but for me it's my personal journey it doesn't make sense if I don't put my face behind it because nobody else went through this journey mm-hmm and I was also thinking in the future, maybe to organize some webinars or Zoom calls to share my experience uh, for people who want to hear it because yeah. there's enough people struggling. So really like that, try to keep the momentum going. So I, I would say really find your niche and find what works for you, but also what you enjoy. If you don't enjoy doing podcasts, it's not going to work. If you want to be a guest writer so if you have your own business, you can also start to be a guest writer for some newspapers, those kind of things. And if you know people within the industry, just ask. Like some of my friends have their own companies. So I ask like, okay, do you know anyone at this newspaper or this newspaper? Because then it's way easier to reach the right people faster instead of having a general email address. So you were going 100%, like you said. You're out there, you're doing the podcast, you're doing everything, you're doing everything locally. So in terms of your future, for, so for the book itself, what's a long-term goal for the book and, and what comes next for you? So I'm trying to live in the moment. <laughs> no, but I think really the rest of the year, I'm going to focus on getting the message out there and seeing yeah. what it brings. Of course, a lot of people also ask, is there going to be a second book? I don't know yet, because then I have to do the whole thing again. Uh, so for now, it's just this one, maybe a second one, but then it would be more for myself than really, because I'm not going to go back to where I was. So the topic would be different as well. But the goal really now is to just reach a lot of people. And I feel like it's also a timeless thing, because unfortunately, in a few years, there's still going to be girls or guys with eating disorders. Yeah. So in that sense, more to build a name and to see what I can do to help others. And also enjoy the ride. I mean, That's if, the best I had, bit, right? yeah, if I had known how much work it would have taken to publish it and the effects, I don't know if I would have done it, if that makes sense, because it's, it's quite confronting as well. Yeah. But so far, I really like it. I Good. think if, if you want to do something, you just go for it. You try and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And are you, so you're still working right now as well as doing this. So do you do that part-time or full-time? How do you make everything fit together? <laughs> I do it full-time. I'm a CRM manager at a large beauty company. Uh, so this week we're working from home. But then, for example, if I have a podcast, I make sure that I work an extra hour in the morning or in the weekend. So I'm really trying to balance everything or I take a day off uh, if it becomes too much. So, I, But I, I try to plan all the interviews and everything mostly at night or very early in the morning. But otherwise, I uh, just work longer hours. So it kind of helps that we're in like half lockdown because 
there's no yeah. time to party and everything so that, that saves a lot of time was there a lot of partying going on before then no not really <laughs> not really but you know in your mind you don't have uh -huh. as, as much yeah. fear of missing out yeah I'm just trying to really balance it like that but I think especially if you have a full-time job and you start your own company it's it takes quite a lot of energy so at one point yeah, you need to learn either to say no or to take more days off like really find a balance in a way I think that's really important for listeners to hear because there's so many different ideas around if you're about to start a business do you go part-time do you do some freelancing do you go all in and I think it's different for everybody I don't think you can possibly say one way is right for anybody I've certainly done things in lots of different ways over the years so I think it's important to hear that you're still working full-time and that you're able to do this this side hustling getting the the book out there and, and doing what you're doing which is amazing but I think it's really important for people to hear that there's different ways of doing both and of course it also means like giving up some things right I used to go to dance class and I, I don't know how I would do it right now so I just work out from home but yeah it's, it's really about finding a balance I always wanted to do everything, but I also realized that I cannot do everything fully. So yeah. then now with the book, okay, some other things are currently a bit on pause and I, I think it will calm down after a while. Maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> see what happens. Lovely to hear your story. Thank you so much for sharing it with our listeners today. I wish you all the best with the book. I'm going to put everything in the show notes, but where can people find out more about you? So on my website, it's just my name, anandadiager.com, or on Amazon, uh, the book is being sold. And I think it's worldwide delivery, maybe except for Australia. So yeah, you can check. Maybe it. Australia in the future. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, who knows? <laughs> Okay, so that's all for today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any aha moments, tag me in your social media stories and please, please, please leave me a review on iTunes. It'll really help me out. Until next time, remember to visualize you.